Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle podcast where we know and believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. If you've been following the NBA news, you obviously know Steve Nash recently took the head coaching position with the Brooklyn Nets. But after that headline of him taking the job kind of came and went, shortly thereafter, his two stars, Kyrie and Katie, made news when they jumped in and had some headlines that people began running with. Headlines that read, I feel like I don't even have a head coach or we don't have a head coach. Or Kyrie saying, you know, I could be the head coach or Kevin saying he could be the head coach. Now, this isn't a podcast where we run and, and stretch and exaggerate headlines to mean something that they're not. There was more context to it. In fact, what they were getting to is that there's going to be an environment they envision of a more collaborative effort. And that in many ways, it isn't just the responsibility of the head coach, but Kyrie's going to have a say and KD will have an influence. And they even mentioned Jock Vaughn and his expertise, obviously, and that it's not just one person, but more of a collaborative style of building this team and working towards their goal. Sounds great in theory, but it leads us to today's episode where we ask some of the questions. Can a collaborative coaching environment truly work? And yes, all coaching environments are collaborative, but how much is too much? How much input should we collect from the players? When do we draw the line as a head coach and says, the buck stops here with me? What happens when the going gets tough and we begin putting things under the microscope? Who takes the ownership then? There's a lot of dynamics involved in this new Brooklyn dynamic, and it's a very interesting one. It's a very strong peer-to-peer type friendship relationship, one that we're going to be working together. We discuss all of the dynamics. We give our prediction in some ways, how we think it's going to play out, and discuss how much input should we be collecting from our players and what that balance ultimately should look like. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode titled, Can Collaborative Coaching Truly Work? Let's go. So TJ, a few weeks ago, we talked about Coach Steve Nash uh, taking on the head coaching job with the Brooklyn Nets, first time ever coach, and it surprised a lot of people. I want to continue that conversation, but in light of some recent comments by Kyrie Irving, I think it opens up this question and this thought process. Kyrie Irving was quoted as saying, I don't really see us having a quote-unquote head coach. He says, KD could be a head coach. I could be the head coach some days. In this interview and episode that Kyrie and KD were talking on KD's podcast, KD then adds, you know, even Jock Vaughn could be a head coach and do it one day. It's a full collaborative effort that we're going to have going on here in Brooklyn. I'm actually wearing a Brooklyn Nets jacket right now. I, I like Brooklyn. Um, But I'm intrigued with this thought process, TJ, because essentially what they're saying, they kind of allude to the fact that Steve Nash is a peer in many ways. In fact, Kyrie Irving, even on the episode, is calling him Steve, okay? That there's this peer kind of relationship. And when you take the mind of Kyrie and you take KDs and everybody else's, that it's really not Steve being the head coach, but it's just really all of us doing it together. And for all intents and purposes, that sounds good in theory, TJ, right? Doesn't it? 
I mean, it's a collaborative effort. Everyone chiming in, everyone giving input. But is it really able to play out that way? And should it? And can it be healthy? Can we actually, is there a shift happening that we are moving to a collaborative coaching environment? Just what are your general thoughts? And we'll dig into some of the specifics here in a moment. With general, what are you thinking? Yeah, you know, I would specifically like to know how it all came to be articulated like this. You know, like, is Kyrie articulating it and, and KD articulating this like a collaborative thing with Steve Nash as approval? Or are they just going ahead and saying, this is how we're going to do it? Because I haven't heard Nash, and I, I may be missing out on it, but I haven't heard Nash say, oh, yeah, that's how we're going to do it. We're going to be collaborative in nature. Because that, I mean, right off the rip, that would be undermining, if undermining Steve Nash if that's not what he's alluded to being the way that they would go about business, you know? Um, and so I, I would be really interesting. And if he did agree to that, Hey, this is a collaborative thing. We're all in here to help each other. Right. I mean, the wording of that would be really interesting as well, but I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not loving what I'm hearing coming out of Brooklyn right now, the way that they are talking about this. And that's not because I think the head coach needs to be dominant force and, I actually think the idea of a player-led team, like you've said a thousand times, is way better than a coach-led team. Uh, it, when they've earned that ownership, when they've earned that level of leadership, when they've taken all of those things into account. But I've never been blown away by KD or Kyrie as a leader, right? I mean, they're both talented basketball players, but does that qualify you to lead a team? I mean, we can give you numerous examples of really good basketball players that have failed as a head coach. And for various reasons, they may have failed as a head coach. But um, I haven't seen anything in KD or Kyrie's track record to say that they make a great coach. And so I, I, I press and pause on this one personally. You know, it was built on the conversation in this particular episode that they were talking about Kenny Atkinson and they had a lot of respect and they showed a lot of love for Kenny and but they said the thing that they're looking forward to uh, is that they don't think they need a coach to come in and start putting their stamp on it, you know, in implementing their philosophies and, and having these players begin and adapting to this coaching structure, this coaching philosophy, but instead like recognizing the talent, recognizing who Kyrie and Kevin are and essentially building around them. Once again, that doesn't sound bad in theory, right? I think coaches should do that, right? They should look at the personnel that they have and build around the personnel. It just feels different in this regard when you hear the players talk about the fact that that's how it's going to be, okay? Like, it's one thing if Steve Nash goes on record and says, listen, I'm going to serve my guys up in incredible ways. They are so talented. They've got incredible skill sets. I'm going to build around them versus the player saying, this coach needs to build around me, right? Like I don't need his coaching philosophies. We don't need this kind of stamp. You need to come in and look at us and build around us. It feels different from a player. And this isn't a situation where you're sitting there like, in a power struggle with the players. Like I'm not sitting here in a power struggle perspective, TJ, where I'm like, I don't like that the players are taking power, taking ownership of this. It's not that at all. That's not where I'm going. I just believe that from a player perspective, there's got to be this, this respect up to the coach and, and have it articulated that way. And I think from a leader's perspective, 
that it is so important that they put that stamp on like, hey, I can't wait for Steve Nash to come in here and, and communicate and, and teach us and, and kind of guide us in the direction. That, that's what I want to hear. Not the other way around where it's like, Steve needs to come in here and recognize who we are and, and know that we're just as talented as he is. Almost essentially is what they're saying. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel great by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't know if it's because we haven't heard a lot from Steve Nash. I mean, they could be articulating this because Steve Nash had a, a meeting with them and said, hey, guys, listen, I want to be the guide on the side. I want to help lead you to your dreams, and I want to help you lead you to a championship. And we're going to need ownership from everybody on this ship, from me to you to Vaughn to whatever. We're going to need everybody to pull weight. We're going to, you know, we'll collaboratively have to get there. I get that. that I, I and, he I prob- and he probably said that. Yeah. Because that's the right thing to say from a coach trying to get the buy-in. But I think the head coach also realizes, like, there is levels to it, right? I'm the head coach, okay? I'm going to seek input and feedback, but ultimately it's my decision. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, to- I totally agree with you. And, and, and again, it, like you alluded to, it's not a power struggle thing, but it is a, a unique way of looking like, so when things aren't going good in the locker room, when things aren't, you know, like it, what I'd like to see is them equally own that, is, which I haven't seen them do over the course of their career. I haven't seen them many times say, you know what, right now the ship is headed in the wrong direction. We're a little bit toxic because of this and it starts with me. I need to change that, you know? And again, I I mean, I don't follow every minute of their career, but I I feel like that on the front end, they want ownership of being the leader of this team and we're going to be collaborative in nature. What I'm anxious to see is when things don't go well. Do you still want that ownership? Is it still a collaborative thing? Is it still, because most of the time, what what does it fall back on when things aren't going well? I mean, it, it falls back on the coach, right? And they say, well, you know, leadership here, we're going to make a coaching change. I mean, right here, the Atlanta Falcons, Dan Quinn, Dimitrov got let go. Um, no one, no one's going back and saying, "Well, you know, this was really we're a we're a collaborative led team, and really it's everybody's fault." And so let's let the safety, the quarterback, and the head coach go. You know, that's not how it works. And so it, that dynamic, I, I, you know, anything can be said right now. What's going to be really interesting is when hard times come. What's said then, and that's going to be really telling. It's just a really interesting dynamic because I, I get the sense from the player perspective in the interview when they start talking about Kenny Atkinson and then talk about Steve, they really talk about the fact that they want this coach who's just going to let them do them, who's going to let them just operate and, and go on, on their knowledge and their expertise and their experience and just be able to just kind of let them be free. And that's a really interesting thought. In fact, I, I get the sense that it's a, it's a mindset that a lot of young athletes want, right? Like, man, can I have, can I have it in that way? That, can I have a coach that just lets me kind of do my thing, that lets me, that trusts me, that knows how good I am and just kind of guides me but isn't really forceful, isn't really – uh, strongly incorporating my philosophies and such. It's almost as if that's what young kids today all desire from a coaching staff. And I don't know if that's the healthiest way. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I mean, it, and that's what doesn't feel good about it. I think we're kind of hitting him and hawing around it, but I think that's what doesn't feel good is, is they kind of want their, 
you know, want their cake and, and eat it too. You know, they're just any way that they particularly want it. And I, and I, that's what, Hey, look, who knows, maybe we could be totally wrong. And I do think there is some happy medium to that. Like I think Phil Jackson is probably overrated as a basketball coach and perhaps underrated as a leader. You know, you know what I mean by like, I think he led really good players and got them to go in the right direction. And that's not an easy thing to do. Um, and I, you know, I think like, like Steve Kerr, when you look at his situation, right? Like, man, when they were really, really talented, they won some championships. I mean, I think they're the worst team in the league this year, right? When you have some injuries and you're tough, like, so sometimes coaches get more credit than we're due. And sometimes we take more heat than we're due as well. But I'm really anxious to, to see how this plays out, what these interviews sound like or a collaboratively led team. And the thing that surprises me is I w- I'd be shocked if Steve Nash was signing up for that. You know, I think we all have a bit of an ego to go in. Like if somebody was saying, hey, listen, we want you to take over this program and lead them. But really it's a collaborative effort. And, you know, someday Kyrie, I'd be like, nah, I'm not interested. You know, like I'm betting on myself. I'm betting on myself as the leader to get this ship going the right direction and it and I haven't seen enough, and I don't know well enough. Maybe Nash does know well enough to be able to bet on them. But I think most people have enough confidence in themselves. Somebody like Steve Nash is probably a highly confident human being to believe I can go in and I can lead this team. I can unlock what Kyrie's got going on inside of his head. I can get KD to do X, Y, and Z. I don't think anybody questions the talent of those two people. That's not what's a question here. But I, you know, if I'm if I'm Steve Nash and I'm taking this job. Um, I'm wanting to believe I can do it my way. I'm not wanting to walk out of there after three years and it didn't work and say, well, you know, as a group, we failed. You know, I'm wanting to go in there and try and put, um, bring to the table the things I can bring to the table and let Kyrie and, and KD do the things they bring to the table better than I bring to the table. I think that's good coaching. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap for today's halftime communication tip. As we were talking about collaborative coaching environments and discussing hierarchy and and where people's roles play in with one another, I think it's very important, regardless of the role, regardless of your title over someone else's, that we treat everybody and communicate to everybody with the same love and respect that you would if you were communicating upward. I don't think there is a moment or a time in today's game where we can talk in the same way we maybe did 20, 30, 40 years ago, where I'm the boss, you're the player, you do as I say. I don't think that produces the healthy results that it may have once before. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think we've softened as society. I think we've gotten smarter in many ways as society. And I think people appreciate and value being spoken to with respect and love and kindness. So coaches, this week, regardless of the titles of your assistant coaches, regardless of you maybe being above them in the quote-unquote hierarchy, take this week to speak to everybody in the same respect, love, and kindness you would speak to maybe someone above you. Make that a common practice this week and encourage you to do so. Hey, thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe. TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. Get started today. And before we jump back in, let's catch up with our friends over at ShootAway for today's stat sheet check-in. Anthony Davis was one of five players to shoot 50, 40, 90 or better in the NBA Finals. He joins Kevin Durant, legendary, 2017 and in 2018, Chauncey Billups in 2004, 
Penny Hardaway beasted out in 2005 and Magic Johnson in 1987. Think about that. 50% shooting, 40% from three, 90% free throw shooting. And this is a guy who's almost seven foot, who's essentially a center. I got to tell you, those numbers don't just happen. They are a result of your hard work and Anthony Davis's hard work. And he put it on display against the best of the best. Coaches, you got to put in work. Your players have to put in work. They know that. That's why they often say you need the best shooting tool in your gym. And it's often considered that best tool is shootaways the gun. Go check out shootaway.com to learn more about how you can get one of their guns in your gym to allow your players the opportunity to begin and better work on their craft to be able to improve their shot, improve shooting, produces more wins. It's the game changer. Go check out shootaway.com to learn more. Now, let's jump back into today's episode. It's interesting. Part of the reason you need the coach to to be in charge versus this player. There's a big difference between player led and player coached, right? Can we specify that also, TJ? Like when we say player led, it doesn't mean player coach, right? It doesn't mean the players are the head coach. They make all the decisions because the reality is this, and this will play out at some point, I'm certain. Players all have different ideas, TJ. They all have different desires and ideas. There are going to be moments throughout this year where Kyrie believes something slightly different than KD. In a general macro level, I think they're on the same page right now, right? That it would be great and will be great to have a coach who gives us freedom, who asks our input, who builds the system around us with our experience and our talents and all that. I think from that macro level, both players are on the same page. They both agree with that. But when you start getting into the nuances, into the specifics throughout season, it's very common for players to have differing viewpoints, different perspectives on things. And at that point, that's where, quote unquote, collaborative doesn't necessarily fly. Yes, collaborative input, but decided by few. And that's where it's going to be interesting because when the differing inputs get put in, Steve Nash has to, with his team, make the final determination. And then at that point, I am curious if the buy-in will be there, right? Will the buy-in be there from the players when maybe it leans more towards KD's input or thought perspective of it, right? Or, or maybe it leans the opposite. That's where I'm anxious to see. Now, Spencer Dinwiddie, when asked about this, um, he, he mentioned that when they talked about Steve Nash's lack of coaching experience, Spencer Dinwiddie said, he, he says, in today's world of coaching, it's really 80% psychological anyways, right? If the coach can you know, tap into the psyche and the leadership of the, the players more so than some of the X's and O's and nuances, that once again is now speaking to this notion that like Steve Nash is here because of, you know, he knows how to just lead us. It's not necessarily about his X's and O's. It's not about his expertise. It's that he knows how to lead us and connect with us. And yes, there's value there, but it once again just begins to kind of shed a different perspective that what is Steve Nash's role as a head coach going to look like on that team? What's the buy-in from the players going to look like? Yeah, and you know, the buy-in from the other 12 players or 10 players, whatever, is, the, is probably more interesting to me than those two guys. Like, I think that 
KD and Kyrie over their career have shown that they're kind of going to do them, you know, like just for a lack of a better word. And I'm not saying they're the worst teammates ever or the whatever. I just think that, that they've never gone out of their way to be some amazing leader, build some amazing relationships to uplift other guys. They've always been stars on the court and, you know, we're not in the locker room, but I would say average to below average leaders. Like they're not the guy you would choose first to lead your team. If I said, Hey, draft the 10 players in the NBA that you think you'd want to lead your team, not, not factoring in talent. I don't think either one of these two guys would jump into the top 10 list or the top 20 list, but talent wise, obviously they do. And you're going to win a certain number of games because of that talent. The interesting thing is going to be when you get into practice and there's, um, you know, when you give away all of this freedom to the players, you know, he leads sometimes, he leads sometimes, he does this, he's kind of a player coach, he's kind of a player coach. Where does the buck stop? There's going to be times when players don't get along, and what's the answer to it? Are we going to wait for KD to decide what his answer is, Kyrie to decide what his answer is? I, I think coaching the other 10 to 12 players, getting them into their roles, getting them to get buy-in to the concept and the hierarchy of the team and who's making decisions and things like that, can be really interesting when you give somebody a, a lot of freedom. If I was to say this for like high school coaches or college coaches, if you were to go in and your best player was a below average leader, but you're doing this thing 50-50 with them, I think it's a train wreck. I think the other players recognize that like, you know what? This player doesn't have all buy-in. Coach is leaning into him too much. He's getting decisions made for him that other people aren't getting made for them. In my experience, when I've seen that happen, it's been a train wreck. And so, you know, I know these guys are a little bit older, a little bit more mature. They've been through a few more things. But I still think that uh, that recipe articulated the way Irving and KD articulated it has some hiccups ahead of it. Now, that might not be what Nash has in mind, and there might be some things they can work through quickly, but as laid out, I think it's trouble. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting dynamic. We say oftentimes, like, we don't want to become friends with the players per se. Like, I'm not here to be your friend. We often will say that because I just don't think that's the coaching-player relationship. I don't think that's the right word to describe, per se, that relationship. But it almost feels as if Steve Nash is coming in as a friend. Right? They've, they've spent time together off the court, training together. They, they have a lot of history together. They really love and enjoy one another, and they've got this respect for one another, absolutely. But it almost feels like there's a peer-to-peer friendship. And, and I'd almost say that more than any other time in any sport that I can think of, this is probably the closest example of a peer friend being in a head coaching position at that high of a level and it's going to be really interesting to play out even when I think about other players that have stepped into coaching I don't view them as looking at Jason Kidd when Jason Kidd stepped into coaching I I didn't I don't know I just didn't get this feeling that they were friends with Jason Kidd but you know everyone really talked about it and oh that's my guy you know peer to peer this really is the first time and it's going to kind of be a case study for coaches out there to watch. And I think. I wonder if they're not just articulating what already happens in the league. What do you mean? Oh, that would be interesting for me to know. I mean, it's like, I mean, if, if a star gets unhappy somewhere, can they get rid of a coach? I believe they can. Yeah, they can. And so 
I mean, they're almost going into this saying what's already true. Like we can pretend like Van Gundy's the guy. We can pretend like so-and-so is the guy. But as soon as LeBron doesn't want to play for him anymore, he's not the guy. And so, you know, I know it sounds weird and sounds crazy, but I kind of think sometimes that's the upside-down world of the league a little bit. But they might just be saying what's already true. Like Steve Nash might already say, you know what? Look, if I go in there and KD and Irving don't like me anyways, I'm not sticking around. They'll, they'll find a reason to get rid of me. They're not going to blame it on – they're locked into KD's contract. They're locked into Kyrie's, you know, contract. They're trying to make this team – they know if they lose – I mean, what's harder for them to replace, KD or a coach? Like, that's the way they're looking at it. And then you go into this world of people are making $30 million a year and the head coach is making $3 million a year. Like, who is really in charge? Who's really calling the shots there? in these particular situations. And so there's a part of me that I don't really like the way that it's been articulated, but I wonder if they're not just calling a spade a spade. You could be right. You could be right. Let me ask you this. Do you think, and and this is tough for us to answer because we don't obviously don't know Kyrie and KD, but it it almost feels that both those players are articulating that they do not want the structure that a coach would potentially have by coming in, putting in their coaching philosophies, maybe more rules. Kyrie even joked about making us run on day one. Okay. He used that phrase in the interview. He's like, you know, I don't need a coach coming in, putting their coaching strategies, having us run starting from day one. Like he uses this, right? Do, do we think most players need structure or that they truly would be better off quote unquote, on their own in a more free playing, free coaching, free team environment? You know, I think talent will take you to some places, right? You know, but then I think there's the whole other getting over the hump. Like, I mean, there's no doubt like the Lakers winning the championship, right? Tons of talent on that team, a lot of really good players. I think the guy that they had as a coach was the right fit. I don't think he's the only guy they could have won the championship with. I think they could have won it with other guys too. And so you need those particular guys, but I I don't, this is, you know, as much as we talk about this kind of being new, like what players want, do they just want some easier road? When you watch the Jordan 30 for 30, like he didn't want to run the triangle. You know, he was forced into running the triangle. He fought the triangle. He didn't want to play anybody for anybody besides Phil, uh, Collins. Or, um, Collins. Yeah, he didn't want to play for anybody besides Collins. But, he, but they let him go, and he had to play for, you know. So there's a, there's a lot of things that go into that that even back in Jordan, he didn't want that stuff to change. He thought that he knew better. I would argue that every great champion needs somebody that can help him get there. So I, I think it would be naive for KD and Irving to think that they've got that figured out. And going back to what I said before, they need those role players as much as they need each other. Like they need those guys to fit into those places. And that's where a head coach can have a lot of input. That's where a head coach can put people in the right places. You can't just go. I don't think, I don't think Kyrie and, and KD can go out there and just hoop and win a championship. I think they could go out there and hoop and finish top four in the East. You know, but if they want to win the East and win the championship, they're going to need some good leadership in place to help them get to the places they need to go. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that, you know, they need somebody a thumb down. Like, I don't think the college system works for these guys when they're making $30 million a year and they've learned how to take care of their body and they've learned how, you know, they're trying to eat well and do all this stuff because they want another $30 million contract. I, I don't think that 
that they need everything that a college coach brings. Like, I think Billy Donovan is an interesting one to me, you know, like I think Billy Donovan probably adapted and did some things that he, you know, he, he wanted to do in the league, but I've always kind of seen him as a college coach because I think he really does a great job of impacting young people. And I don't think he's less than, I just think his strengths don't lead. Like, I don't think my strengths lead to being an NBA coach. Like, I, I just don't think that's the way I'm cut. And, and I think there's some people that just aren't cut that way. And I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how Steve Nash is cut when it comes down to this situation. Last question, TJ. What is a healthy percentage, a healthy ratio, a healthy relationship when it comes to collaboration with your players from a coaching, head coaching perspective? Right? Like, like there's always a balance. Yeah. And it's, you're probably, you, you may say it's an art, right? But like, where, where can we give coaches listening to this guideline? Like, how much should we collaborate with our players? But when do we shut the door, work with our staff, and make the decision? Yeah. I think they need to have a voice. And how they voice and when they voice is really, really important. I think that, you know, a good program um, doesn't close their voice. And I also think it just doesn't let their voice show up whenever or however they want to do it. Like there's a time and a place. And to be honest with you, most young people don't understand that all the way. And that's our job as the mentor. Like if somebody would have said, hey, TJ, you can lead as much as you want, say as much as you want, do as much as you want. I would have been a train wreck in college. I wouldn't have known when to shut my mouth. I wouldn't know when to stop complaining. I wouldn't know, you know, like that's just part of growing up and maturing. And so, you know, how do they have a voice where they're a part of the process and going through things without being the voice, the final voice? Like I, I think that, you know, um, my personal philosophy and what was it Truman, the president, you know, walk softly, carry a big stick, you know, like I think at the end of the day, like you need to be confident in your decisions. They need to know the final decision rests with you, but you're also have enough humility and enough care for them to take in as much input as you can. And the humility to say, Hey, I messed up. You know, those things go a long way with players. Um, and so the, but the, what we also know what's transitions because I said so, doesn't work like it did 25 years ago. It doesn't work like it did 30 years ago because I said so. And so I think that's an ever evolving thing. And I think it's a dangerous line when you give everything over to KD and Irving, whatever. I think that's, I think that's dangerous. I don't think it's going to go the way that they expect it to go. Now, if you go in there and you have KD and Irving running suicides on day one, that's not going to go well either. You know, that's not going to work very long. And so there's something in between there. And I think that probably varies with every team based on their maturity, based on their leadership, based on their competence, based on, and everybody's got to navigate that. And, um, you know, I, I would be KD and Kyrie for some uh, on the court creativity and input. But when it comes to how we're going to show up lead and how we're going to c- conduct our business and how we're going to do all that, you know, not that they couldn't have input on that, but I, I wouldn't put all that stuff on their plate. I don't think they need it on their plate, and I don't think they've showed that that's what, they're, what they want on their plate either. I think that's fair. It's going to be interesting to see. I think if it works and it proves to be successful, and I think throughout the success, there's a lot of talk about this collaborative effort and this being together and making decisions together and, and really no hierarchy but more of a non-hierarchical situation. You could see a major change in coaching. You absolutely could see a big shift to more of this flat line versus a hierarchy dynamic. It's going to be fun to watch, uh, both in the good and in the bad. But 
Nonetheless, let us know your thoughts on this topic. You know, is Kyrie wrong for saying what he said? Is this a, a train wreck potentially waiting to happen? Or is this the way we need to be approaching coaching moving forward in this collaborative effort, working in tandem, not trying to put ourselves above the players or anything like that, but really having a flat line? Let us know your thoughts. You can tweet us at hardwood underscore hustle. I am Adam. He is TJ. Together, we are the hustle. Until next time, we're out. Coaches, before you go, I just want to encourage you. There's a free resource over at leademup.com that you can check out. If you just want to send an email to info at leademup.com, we're giving away a free 21-day leadership playbook that your team can do together while the players do it individually. So it kind of has a hybrid model of players doing it by themselves, but yet doing it in conjunction with the team, where they go through a series of exercises over 21 days to help them gain momentum and grow as leaders. Things focusing on their ability to be more deep detail-oriented and to be a better communicator and a better listener, a variety of different exercises from the Lead Em Up program, a free 21-day playbook that you can utilize today. Send an email at info at leademup.com. We will send that over to you. Uh, no questions asked, all good. I think it'll be something that your players will enjoy and your team will absolutely grow from. So would love to encourage it. Just wanted to share that before you hopped off. Until next time, coaches, we are out.